You're listening to Taxpayers Australia's news and insights podcast, Tax Wrap. Welcome, listeners, to Tax Wrap episode number 78. Uh, I'm joined by Letty Choi and Andy Nguyen. And now today on Tax Wrap, we're going to talk about, well, it might seem like a sombre topic, but it's an important one. And um, as Letty said before, cue the tired old joke of uh, the two certainties in life. Yes, it's death and taxes. Well, specifically, uh, death and the deceased's main residence CGT exemption. Um, uh, of course, if you inherit a dwelling, do you also inherit the CGT exemption? What's the what's the story, um, guys? I mean, the typical scenario, I suppose, that we all would know about is when a parent dies and then an adult child inherits the main residence. So, with the CGT main residence exemption, what's the what's the story? So, if the child inherits the parent's main residence more likely than not there will be a main residence exemption available. Now the main residence exemption will be available if the if the house was a post CGT asset and it was purely main residence, it was not used for income producing purposes. For example, the parent wasn't renting out a room of the house or something like that, then as long as the child either sells the house within two years of the date of death or else one of the following people lives in the house being the spouse of the deceased person or someone who had a right to live in the house under the will or the beneficiary to whom the house actually passed under the will, then the CGT exemption will apply in full. Okay. Jeez, that's quite a bit of a mouthful, isn't it, lady? I, yeah. that was, um, I thought it was straightforward, yeah. but that's a yeah. little bit complicated. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I guess in many ways sort of they've got that, everybody knows about that to you rule. Oh, um, usually that's that's how it would typically work, that if you could sell the property within two years from the deceased's death, then you can get it, um, get the main residence exemption right. to apply. Obviously, there are certain circumstances behind it, as Letty alerted to, the fact that in most instances, if it's a post-CGT property, for example, the it has to be the um, deceased can't have been, been using it for uh, producing accessible income. Oh, yeah. Uh, immediately prior to their death. So there are a few uh, tricks and traps okay. there in those particular circumstances. Well, I suppose it's also a pretty typical case that the kid, uh, not being ungrateful, but they just have their own house by the yeah. time they're, 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 you know, the oldies die and uh, so they don't actually want the asset, that house, and they ask the executive of their parents' will to sell on their behalf. What, what's the situation there? Well, for CCT purposes, if you are bequeathed a house under your parents' will, then that house is actually yours from the date of death for CGT purposes. And so even if legal title to the house does not actually transfer to you, if you say to the executor, look, I don't actually want the physical house, please sell it and just pass me the proceeds, then any CGT consequences, whether it's an exemption or whether there is CGT tax payable, is still going to be the beneficiaries. Okay, so it passes on to you. That's right, yeah. So you're still taken to be what they refer to as absolutely entitled to to that particular asset and legal title does not have to pass to you yeah of the property yeah yeah so so you can really instruct the executor or you can instruct your legal um, representative to to act on your behalf with with respect to that property right okay Uh, well now i've been thinking i bought bought my house before 1985 Mm -hmm. um so i've always assumed that well it's going to be tax-free um is that the case um, yeah, I guess the short answer is no, no, isn't that right, Lydia? Well, it's what? The, the same rules for the main residence will apply. In other words, the two-year rule or else 
somebody who's one of the relevant people that we listed before lives in it for the duration of time before before the beneficiary sells it. But the only other difference is really just that if it's a pre-CTT asset, there is no requirement that the deceased person was not using it for income-producing purposes oh. before their death. So that's a bit of a mouthful and a lot of double negatives. So if we twist it another way, if the deceased had been renting out a room to students or running a business from one of the rooms or something like that, yep. then you can still access the main residence exemption so long as you meet those other requirements. Whereas with a post-CTT asset, you, you, the deceased could not have been using it yeah. for income-producing purposes. Oh, okay. So I, I should have all these years been uh, doing something yeah. constructive, making income yes. out of one, the yes. house. Yeah, but at least it's worth quite a bit now if it's a pre-CGT property. Yeah, right? oh, well, there's all the ways that. Um, of course, I might sort of see the benefit of that, but I'm glad to know my kids do. <laughs> I, I suppose there's another scenario which would happen again if the adult child inherits a, a residence that they keep it but rent it out. So, again, well, what's the consequences there? Well, if they rent it out to a third party, then generally speaking, when they sell it, the main residence exemption will not be available in full, but they are likely to get at least a partial exemption. Now, the formulas and the rules relating to how to calculate this exact partial exemption is actually quite convoluted, so it may be worth speaking to an advisor or looking on the ATO website. But in very general terms... It, the formula effectively exempts the portion when it was the main residence of the deceased person or one of the other relevant people that we listed before. In other words, the deceased person's spouse or the or someone who had a right to live in the house under the will or it was the main residence of the beneficiary who inherited the house. So for any period of time that any of those people can call the house their main residence, that portion will be CTT exempt. Okay. Yeah, right. so it makes it very tricky there, Steve, because yeah, yeah. you really need to look at what the deceased was doing with their property prior to their death. Yeah, yeah. I suppose the, straight, the straightforward scenario would be husband and wife, one of them passes away, sadly, yeah. and, and the other person is left in the in the house. Yeah. That's yeah. fairly straightforward, I imagine. Um, it's a little bit more difficult in some instances. It depends on how they own the property, sometimes they can own it as tenants in common, ah. or others it can be a joint tenancy. And so in the situation where it's a joint tenancy, it essentially bypasses the estate altogether. And so the spouse actually inherits that part of the the property. But, but and yeah. so, so a whole bunch of other rules mm. ap- apply with respect to that. Okay. However, yeah. if, it, if it was a less common scenario being, for example, tenants in common, then the interest that was held by the deceased could actually just be transferred to perhaps one of their children under the will, for example. Ah, right. yeah, yeah. Well, so, yeah. yeah, so it's really important that people out there seek um, the legal advice. So, you know, yeah. as part of their estate planning, just to, and just to nut out the tax consequences, because it can vary depending on what those, depending on you know, your ownership Certain structure. Structures. Yeah. I, I just wanted to ask also, I, mean, this is, I know this has happened with a, a, a extended family member where the husband died, the wife could stay in the house for the rest of her life. That was kind of specified, but the house passed to the children. Yes. Yeah. Now, now in, in tax legal terms, this is what they call life tenancy. So ah. it's exactly as you described. Um, one, perhaps, you know, the taxpayer dies or the deceased person passes away and they leave 
the actual asset itself to perhaps a child or another family member. But in the meantime, the spouse or somebody else, perhaps an adult child, is allowed to live in that house for the duration of their life, but they never get the capital asset themselves. Now, there are many, many variations to this type of arrangement, um, but at the end of the day, there's basically a life interest and a remainder interest. So so in that particular case, what what actually happens, Steve, is you're almost creating a separate trust, um, like a testamentary trust. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it gets a little bit complicated in terms of how all the laws work and stuff like that. But um, in the main, it is one way for... um, for the deceased to feel at ease that you know they're looking after you know for example their spouse and then the asset passes on to somebody else. So yeah, that's, that's yeah, a great yeah. way of great sort of estate planning uh, um, method, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The rule of thumb is that a life interest and a remainder interest are both CGT assets, and there are CGT consequences if these arrangements are varied or if one party disposes of their rights to live in it or to acquire the house later or if they refoke the rights etc etc and for those who are interested in the technical details taxation ruling TR 2006-14 discusses these arrangements in detail okay so you can go and have a look at that uh, what is it TR 2006-14 it might help you put you to sleep Steve it's quite a long (laughs) ruling really (laughs) well I was just going to say it's it's um it must be a very not kind of a very common problem or thing that people need to deal with as taxations as tax practitioners to to come at this cgt yeah it uh, is death, uh, yeah it is a question that we get through our tax helpline quite often right. you know sort of how to deal with the main residence exemption obviously there's a whole bunch of different variations in yeah. terms of you know how they've set up their will sometimes um that can be quite tricky navigating that aspect yeah, yeah. as well so we usually um Speak to our members, they usually give us a scenario and then we've got to try and work through, we can look, work one, through all one, these rules. If there's one thing I've learned today, it's that it's not as straightforward as I thought it was. Not I at thought, all. Oh, you know, it's, uh, this is the way it is, but not necessarily. Yeah. And it gets even more complex when, for example, adult children actually live overseas and are foreign residents, not Australian residents. Ah, yeah. And in this day and age with international mobility, that is becoming increasingly common scenario okay well maybe yeah. for, maybe for another podcast yes, yes. We'll so <laughs> one thing to note we have covered um death in the main residence exemption in this current issue of the taxpayer so that's the um that's the june, june. issue of the taxpayer that's out now isn't it that's yeah. correct yep excellent okay well thanks uh, andy and thanks lady once again it's been very informative and thank you listeners for for putting up with us um i'm sure you've learned a lot as i have uh we'll be back next week with episode 79